Welcome to Life in Purple, providing you with the latest from women entrepreneurs, amazing mums, human interest stories, and celebrity guests. Your host, Laura Sprague, discusses women's topics such as success, empowerment, perseverance, lifestyle, and much more. Laura also offers a fun and unique perspective while providing listeners with valuable tips on how to successfully conquer the many issues women may face. Come experience your life in purple. And now, here's your host, the life coach with the most, Laura Sprague. Hello, Lip Talk Nation. Welcome to Life in Purple. I'm your host, Laura Sprague. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with our featured guest on the show, Amanda Rupley. And before I introduce her, I just want to say, I hope that you've been able to listen to our previous episodes on why we're doing purple and glean value from our amazing guests so far. Feel free to reach out to me and send an email to lara at laurasprague.com and let me know if anything has resonated with you so far. I definitely want to hear from you and how you are living your life in purple. Today on our show, we have a very, very inspirational guest who decided that her autoimmune diseases, yes, I said diseases with an S, were not going to control her life. Diagnosed at the age of 28 with not one, but three different types of autoimmune diseases, she certainly knows what it's like to live in pain. Amanda is an author, entrepreneur, and a huge advocate to raise awareness for autoimmune diseases and to educate people who don't struggle with these debilitating and chronic diseases so that they understand their friends and family who do suffer as well. Amanda, welcome to Life in Purple. How are you today? I'm doing great, Laura. And can I just say, you can go ahead and introduce me for any and all interviews that I do moving forward. Oh my gosh, that was incredible. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad that you like that. I read your story, and I have to say I'm really in awe with you, specifically with all these things that you are doing. You sound like you're a very busy person, and recently you started a boot camp. Uh, So tell me what's going on with that. Oh, my goodness. Well, it has been one heck of a ride, I tell you. Um, I am very busy, but I feel like I've got a really good place um, as far as the life balance, you know, scale there. So one's not tipping further than the other. Um, but I've recently added, it's been probably about two years now, I've added boot camp to my resume. Um, I got really inspired because obviously through my illnesses, you know, I kind of hit um, a point where I couldn't get out of bed. I wouldn't be able to exercise. I was just in a really, really bad place. And my doctors kept telling me, you need to exercise. And I'm like, you people are insane if you think I can even get out of bed, let alone pick up a dumbbell, you know. Um, and there's this fantastic program called Texas Fit Chicks um, that's actually about to go nationwide. But um, they have a women-only boot camp. And it's every woman from every walk of life that you can possibly imagine, from, you know, the person that has never worked out a day in their life to um, somebody who may be super fit that has worked out every day of their life. And I wound up going... They gave me modifications so that I could participate at my own level, and it was just incredibly inspiring. So I came home, and I told my husband, I said, well, I've decided what I'm going to do. I want to give this feeling to other women. So I wound up getting my certified personal trainer certification, and um, I auditioned with uh, Texas Fit Kicks, and I launched a boot camp. Um, about, it's been just over two years. I started 
Um, my 30th year, my birthday, it was literally the day after my birthday. I started a new decade with a new um, check mark on my resume. And I've been blessed to help other women, specifically those that, that struggle with um, autoimmune illnesses, which has been really rewarding for me personally. Um, and I've, I've helped about 65 women so far reach their fitness goals. So it's pretty amazing to be able to do that. Uh, Amanda, that sounds so great. So can you tell me how you, um, how often did you have to start exercising? You know, did you go every day or was it once a week to build up? Because I know that I suffer, you know, from autoimmune disorder as well. And I'm, I'm personally interested on how you started. Well, it started slow. I'll, you know, definitely had to, had to get my, my bearings there. Um, I started with just regular exercises, um, no military style, um, no heavy equipment. I started with five pound dumbbells, a yoga mat. And then on the third day of the week, um, I would do a ball day workout where you have the big stability yoga ball, you know, more stretching, um, joint strengthening, things like that. But I started with three days a week. Um, initially starting with modifications, for example, if I were doing a push-up, instead of fully extended on my toes, I would, you know, bring my knees down, keeping my back nice and in line, um, really strengthening those joints. Um, the third day of the week when I did ball day, I also supplemented with some yoga to really kind of strengthen and warm up my joints um, because, you know, winter was coming around and um, it was really difficult for me, like you, I'm sure. Um, winter is always really, really hard when it comes to joint pain and autoimmune illnesses. So I wanted to prepare ahead by really getting involved in um, in the aspect of, of just taking better care of my body. And I noticed that doing so, you know, I, was, I started adding in um, after the three days a week. I started adding in walking in addition to it. Um, just on my off days, you know, walking on the treadmill, walking outside if it was a nice day around the park, and then eventually started adding um, biking. I just grabbed my daughter's bike and I would go ride around the neighborhood for a mile or two, you know, just to kind of build up um, my my realm, my regiment. And now I, I work out about five days a week. Um, I'm into strength training right now, which has been I mean, just such a life changer for me, going from never being able to lift a dumbbell to now I'm I'm squatting 60 pounds. You know, that's a big, big jump for me personally. So um, you have to start what you got to listen to your body first and foremost. Whatever your body is telling you is too much, you have to be prepared and listen for that. Um, I think the second thing, too, is also making sure that you implement naps <laughs> when you first start a, a fitness regimen, especially when you're struggling with an autoimmune disorder. Um, you definitely want to make sure you're getting plenty and plenty of rest. So I would work out and eat and then get my errands done and come home and sleep for two hours. I love that you point out to say, make sure you get plenty of rest because that's something I specifically struggled with is that my body would be tired, but I would get mad because I was tired. And so I punished myself instead of actually Mm. doing that. So that's an excellent point that you said. And then you said, prepare ahead. That's something I'm working on as well. So what an inspiration already you are, Amanda. Thank you so much. Um, I know a little bit more, you know, about your story, but could you tell the listeners, what it was like maybe the year before you were diagnosed with these three autoimmune diseases. I know you're a young professional, you're going to the top, you're working in reality TV, but what was that year like leading into that? Well, I would say that um, to begin with, I think what the um, pivotal moment in my life would have been was actually when I was pregnant with my son, which was a few years prior to my diagnosis. 
Um, when I got pregnant, it was an unexpected pregnancy. Um, I had already battled with some ovarian issues that ran in my family. Um, and so, you know, we just assumed, we already knew it was going to be a high-risk pregnancy due to that. Um, during that pregnancy, I actually had one circumstance where I woke up in the middle of the night. And at the time, my husband was still a police officer. Um, he had served 15 years on the force, but he had to be on duty at 5 a.m. And I woke up, you know, nauseated and things like that. And I talked about to the normal you know, morning sickness, and I didn't want to wake him up, so I went to go lie down in the other wing of our house um, and couldn't keep anything down. Well, he woke up to go to, I mean, to get ready for work and found me passed out on our bathroom floor, got me to the hospital, and my blood pressure was 63 over 34. I do not remember any of it. I remember glips and pieces of the doctors talking, and I remember coming to three days later. Um, my husband was on the phone with somebody telling them that, if he had gotten me there 10 minutes later, I would have died. And that's the first recollection I have of this particular circumstance. Um, fast forward, obviously, that was a very scary moment. But there were two other moments during the pregnancy that happened as well in which I almost lost my life. And then the traumatic birth on top of it, um, you know, I was in labor for almost 16 hours. I pushed for two and a half hours. Um, my husband, or I'm sorry, my son's um, umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck three times. So every time I would push, his heart would stop beating. And so my doctor was manually pumping his heart as I was trying to push. Um, thankfully, we finally got him out, but he was uh, he had to go to Miku for a little while. Um, and then my blood pressure plummeted again. Um, so not only did we <laughs> survive the birth, but we almost did not survive the afterbirth. Um, so it was a very, very traumatic experience. Um, it was a very traumatic year for myself, my husband, my family. Um, and at the time, we had no idea what was wrong. You know, this entire time, we just thought it was a high-risk pregnancy. You know, I, I was a little more high-risk than most pregnancies would be just because of the, the family history of ovarian issues. Um, and then fast forward, you know, four years from there, and after multiple, multiple ER visits, multiple doctor's visits, um, multiple doctors telling me I was insane and there was nothing wrong with me. You know, multiple days of not being able to get out of bed, let alone enjoy a family activity because I had no energy or any strength whatsoever that I couldn't even pick up my own child. And then finally, the day came where we had the first diagnosis um, of rheumatoid arthritis. And that day sticks in my head every day. But at the same time as sad as you would think it would be, you know, obviously your heart sinks when, when you have that answer. I almost felt relieved at the same time because for once I knew that somebody was listening to me and for once I knew that I wasn't crazy, that there was really something wrong with me because nobody knows better than ourselves. And you have to, you have to be an advocate for yourself with your doctors in order to get, um, you know, in order to get people to listen. Amanda, you just pointed out a huge part of your story where you are vulnerable and you had a high-risk pregnancy and you mentioned that you could have died several times because of your blood pressure being so low. And I need to just recognize this right now with my uh, Lip Talk Nation because I know that I've heard from some of them already saying that they've experienced something similar and it's really comforting to know that someone else out there who survived can really encourage them and let them know that it's okay to do this. And like you said, when you got an answer, you were relieved. And mm -hmm. that's, that's so encouraging because I really wanted to ask you what your darkest hour was like. 
you know, what were you telling yourself in that dark time? Because I know that you could have stayed in that depression. In fact, you mentioned that you hid your depression for a while. And so can you describe really some of your dark times? Absolutely. I think um, one thing that needs to be recognized is these are, within our community, the autoimmune community, are often labeled as invisible illnesses because on the outside we look perfectly fine, but on the inside we're struggling so much, whether it's anxiety, depression, chronic pain, chronic fatigue. There's all kinds of different things that correlate with these illnesses. Um, And, you know, just because somebody looks okay on the outside does not mean that they're not that they're okay on the inside. Um, so during this struggle, I lost a lot of friends. I lost, you know, I had family members that didn't believe that I was going through this. Um, thankfully, I had the love and support of my husband, who is incredibly amazing. But because of the depression and because of the pain and because of doctors telling me that there was nothing wrong, I had one doctor who literally, I'm sitting in the ER, and he, they'd given me so much um, pain medication Dilaudid, morphine, all of that. And while it messed me up, it did not dull my pain. And he looked at me bold point in my face and said, you're here because you want drugs. And I said, excuse me? And he said, "I are you a drug addict? And he literally sent my husband out of the room because he thought I was lying to him because my husband was there as a police officer, you know. Um, and he sent him out of the room and he looks at me and he says, Miss Rupley, I cannot help you if you're not honest with me. And I told him, I said, I've never touched... I've never touched that. That's not my, you know, that's not why I'm here. I said, I'm telling you, it's messing me up, but it's not dulling my pain. And so when you have somebody who is supposed to be helping you that's against you, it makes you start to question yourself, right? Exactly. In addition to that, you know, my, I mean, here, I mean, I'm, I'm being considered a drug addict in the, in the medical profession, you know? And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if this gets back to my husband's department or, you know, how would that affect his job? And so because of the depression and the anxiety that correlates with it, I really started to second guess myself and, um, you know, the, the benefits of, for my family of me being in their life. I truly had, had convinced myself that my husband was better off without me and that my children would be better off without me. And I came to him one day and said that I thought that it would be better if we, if we divorced and, and that, you know, I would be willing to sign over the rights of my son, which as a mom, I cannot express to you nowadays the thought to even, um, that that even came out of my mouth. But in my heart and in my head, at the moment, I really, truly believed that that's what was best for them because I felt like there's no way that my family can continue to be on this journey with me when I've the, I'm, in my mind, the worst thing that has happened to them, you know? Um, so that definitely was my darkest hour. Thankfully, my husband did not let me <laughs> succeed in what my thought process was. I mean, he fought tooth and nail and was like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? You know, I, I'll be better. What can I do to make this better? He did not let me, uh, which is hard because I'm stubborn. And when I see a vision, I see it through. So, he definitely, um, he had to, to put some, some full force on me there to, to kind of snap me out of that. Amanda, I just um, appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty right here uh, through your darkest hour because you said you didn't even want to have the parent rights to your son and you were ready for a divorce because you thought maybe I am you know, crazy. And I know the listeners right now, Lip Talk Nation, I want you to understand something right here. 
you know, she didn't give up and she surrounded herself with um, a support system. And out there, I'm calling to you that you need to go and find that as well. So Amanda, can you tell us more? Yes. Tell us more about what it's like to have a really good support system and what does that consist of for you and who does that consist of? Well, Laura, let me just tell you that when I was in the process of writing this book, it was very important to me that not only do the readers get my perspective, but perspective from others that battle, okay? So I had, I had um, come to my publishers with an idea that I wanted to open each chapter with a letter from another survivor so that my readers could get perspective from them as well. And in getting these letters, I would say 75% of them said that they were alone, that the first thing that left were their spouses, that their family was the next part, their parents had disowned them, their sisters, you know, brothers, friends. They literally were suffering in complete and total isolation. And that, to me, even now talking about it, I'm getting teary-eyed, I apologize, it just broke my heart because I can't imagine having to go through this without my support system. I am truly, truly blessed um, because many in this community do not have that support system. If there's one thing that I hope anybody that's listening um, in this interview take away from this, is that if you know somebody or you know somebody who knows somebody, not only does the survivor need support, but their family and their loved ones and their friends need the support because without support, there's no way they can get through this. It is beyond the most important factor when it comes to anybody struggling with an autoimmune disorder or any illness, whether it's cancer, Alzheimer's, support system, especially in a day and age where we are with social media and bullying and all of that, is so important. You know, take it back to the basics. So simple, but so true. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. I'm going to say amen to that, Amanda, because I want my listeners to understand that if they don't, just like you said, if you don't find that support, you're not going to get through it. And it's very important not to isolate yourself because here at Lip Talk Nation, we do um, talk about what you say is what you become. And I am getting teary-eyed as well because you do need someone to believe you because I've lived with that chronic pain, but don't talk about it because, you know, just like you've experienced, people don't believe you. So, Amanda, I I relate so much to your story uh, right now, and I know many of the listeners do too. And I am wondering, you know, on on you know having this um, several of these autoimmune diseases, if you Mm -hmm. you know because you've had to overcome a lot, but I want to know if you say any affirmations to yourself on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, One thing that has always stuck with me since I was a little little girl going through auditions, you know, for print work or commercials or anything, my mom always told me, you can put your, you can do anything you put your mind to. And that is something that I cherish every single day. Anything I put my mind to, I can succeed, but I have to, I have to know that I can succeed. And for me coming out of that dark, that darkest time, I realized that negative in is negative out. Positive in is positive out. And if I was going to do something about this, I had to start being inspired. And something that has always held very true to me, something that um, I've always wanted to do is inspire others. Because a saying that we have in boot camp is strong women lift others up, not put them down, right? Um, We live in a really dark and scary world nowadays, and we need more light. 
right? So in order to make that happen, you know, you have to you have to surround yourself around positive thinking. I'm always reading inspirational books, um, posting inspirational quotes. I love, love, love listening into other radio programs or um, shows, you know, working in reality casting. My, my perfect niche, I guess, would be to work on more of the uplifting shows. I have worked in, you know, all of them across the board. But the ones that inspire me most are the ones that I walk away from feeling inspired and feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to conquer, you know, whereas if I'm working on a show that maybe isn't what I would consider to be inspiring, then my light has dimmed a little bit. You know, I might not walk away from that casting going, okay, I'm ready to conquer the next day. <laughs> I might be ready to crawl in bed instead, you know, <laughs> um, and take a nap. But, you know, I just, I do what I can to constantly have inspiration around me. I'm always doing a new focus board. Um, I have my inspiration wall in my home office where anytime I see a fun quote or something that I think kind of resonates with me, I pick it up. And it's one of those abstract walls. None of it matches, and that's okay because it's my wall, my story, my beliefs, and it's what keeps me going every day. When I start to feel a little down or I start to feel... You know, like, why me? Because let's be honest, we all do, right? We're human. Um, I walk in there. I, I sit down with my cup of coffee, and I just stare at my wall, and I just read each and every one of those quotes. Lip Talk Nation, Amanda has pointed out some very valuable lessons right here. She said, negative in, negative out. You know that's what Life in Purple is all about. So we got to put positive in, like she just said, so positive comes out. And then you actually talk about, and you didn't say the word trigger, but I'm going to use the word trigger, but you said, make sure that you listen to positive shows, you know, making sure that you're putting um, good information inside of you, because you do work on many television sets and and I really appreciate that. So Lip Talk Nation, did you catch that? Because I believe positive in, positive um, out. How important is Absolutely. it? Yes. Amanda, how is, important is it staying active to you? And maybe tell us why. Well, it depends on who you ask as far as why I stay so active. Um, my husband will tell you that he thinks part of my coping mechanism um, is to stay active. If I'm not active, then it kind of gives me more of an opportunity to sit and kind of dwindle and think about my illness, which, you know, I, I live true to the fact of I have lupus, but lupus doesn't have me. And so the more that I keep that mindset at the forefront and I stay busy because for me, staying busy means the more hearts that I can touch, the more people that I can inspire, the more survivors that know that they're not alone then that, to me, is my purpose in staying busy. Now, my husband will also agree that that, you know, he does see that too, but he thinks that there's a little underlining, you know, there that perhaps it's because of not wanting to, you know, have to sit and kind of dwindle, as I mentioned earlier, thinking and, and you know, feel like really feeling sorry for yourself when you isolate and when you, um, you, you don't have things to keep you busy. It's easy to kind of get back in the funk. Right. And, and that's okay. We're all human. It's not, I'm not, I'm, I'll be the first to say I am not a hundred percent all the time. (laughs) You know, we all have our good days and we all have our bad days, but I think that's what makes it more special is the fact that if you can be vulnerable, because it's not easy talking about my vulnerabilities and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. But I also know that I have a platform here, and I, I know that most people um, don't have the access that I have working in entertainment. And so I feel like 
this is something that God has given me the strength for. Um, right now, I've got my lupus in a really, really good place for the first time my entire life. It's been about a year and a half since I've had a major flare, which is huge for me. And I think that right now, this is my season. This is what God intends for me to do. Um, this is the gift that was given to me, and this is the purpose that I'm supposed to fulfill. So staying busy, even though it might look like to the outside world that I'm very busy, I actually feel like I'm in a really good life balance place as far as work, home. You know, when I'm here with my children, I try to be as present as possible, turning off the cell phone, turning off the computer, you know, doing fun things with the family. Um, but when they're at school, that's my time. That's my time to shine. That's my time to reach out. Um, I just love connecting with as many people within the community as I possibly can. So being active in the support groups and, you know, listening, sometimes these, these people just need a shoulder, you know, they just need an ear. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's kind of the driving force for me is knowing that I can be that for somebody because I've, I've been there and I know what it's like, you know, if I didn't have my husband being that shoulder or my ear, I don't know if, if I would have made it through. I don't know if I would be here right now. Um, I really love how God used your coping mechanism to be a shining light. You're a shining light, even though you feel like oh, you're coping. You. It's really an inspiration to watch and, you know, to drive because you're really about others and not yourself. So um, I love that parallel right there. That really is encouraging. And I want my listeners out there to understand that as well. You know, maybe some of them are really busy and they really don't know that that's their coping mechanism. And so if you just understand right. what you're doing, you actually give yourself permission to become stronger automatically when you understand something. So, and when you give permission. So Amanda, again, such a shining light, even though it's your coping mechanism. All right. So I know one of your biggest frustrations that you had um, was the last lack of literature to support lupus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you kind of yes, had an aha definitely. moment, right? Um, that something needed to be done about this. So that's when you decided to write your book, Lights, Camera, Lupus. So tell us a little bit about your book. Well, it started originally, to be perfectly honest, um, it started as coping, really, therapy. Um, my rheumatologist who is, oh my gosh, she's my... She's my guardian angel. I mean, that woman has just been such an amazing person in my life. But she said, you know what? You have so much built up that you need to release. And if you don't, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, you need to, you're, you're everybody else's outlet, but you need to have your own. And so I just started writing for therapy. And then as I was watching, um, there was a scene actually on, on the show Parenthood. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Mm -hmm. Um, that Monica Potter plays where she at the time was um, dealing with breast cancer. And there's this really, really powerful scene where she says, you know what? I am not going to let this illness take me. You know, she was going, she was going to make the, um, the decisions with it. And she shaved her head. I don't know if you saw that scene, but I it was an incredibly powerful, powerful scene that um, really, I was sitting there with my husband. I remember sitting on the couch and I had, um, I had written earlier that day and I looked at him and I said, you know what? I have a huge network because of my connections with casting, because of my years in entertainment. And I can be a voice for these people that have none. And I, I need to make a change. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, um, those that feel like they're crazy enough to change the world are the ones that can by Steve Jobs. 
and it's true. You know, if, if it's not there, why not create it? Why not give people what they need? You know, in all of these support groups that I'm involved in, we kept reading over and over and over again that no, they didn't know what was in store for them. You know, um, they would get a new medication and post in the groups, I'm getting this medication. Does anybody know what the side effects are? My rheumatologist didn't even know. Or, you know, how does this affect you? Or I have this symptom. Is this lupus? There's just not enough information out there. It's still kind of a silent disease. Uh, just even since we um, since we launched the book a year ago in August, um, more and more ha- has come out, thankfully, has been released um, about it. But at the time, there were only a handful of celebrities that ever admitted or were involved in the fact that they had lupus or knew somebody that had lupus. And now, thankfully, you know, as time is, is progressing, it's becoming a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, and now we've got some bigger name people with the Lupus Foundation of America that um, are getting involved. You know, Nick Cannon is one of them. Um, there's a, a couple of other actors, one of which he's on Pretty Little Liars. His mom um, suffers from lupus, and so he's a big ambassador for the Lupus Foundation in L.A., and I thought, you know what, I want to get more involved. So I came down to the Lupus Foundation Lone Star chapter here in Texas and met with them and just said, I want to get involved. How can I help? I, you know, I want to reach more people. Um, I want to be that support system that maybe they don't have. And um, through that process, I, I wound up joining, um, joining as an ambassador with the Lone Star chapter. I um, helped them coordinate the annual gala. And, uh, you know, through that process and reaching some of those other survivors and seeing that they really were thirsty for more, that's what my driving force was to, to see this project through. Um, my publishers were so fantastic from the get-go, especially being in entertainment and knowing how, you know, you come up with an idea or a project and then, quote-unquote, signing your rights away. They can butcher the project, really, and do whatever they would like to do with it, Right. So it was very important to me that that did not happen here and that I had the final say in everything and that the words that were coming through were truly my words. And Indigo River, my publishing house, they were just so amazing. Um, The team of editors, just everybody across the board, they really, they knew what my vision was. They saw my vision. um, They supported my vision and they let me just run with it. So it was um, it, it was a very therapeutic, it was a very, very therapeutic process. Um, it was very difficult, it, probably one of the most difficult things I've ever dealt with. Um, in order to connect with my readers, I knew I had to be as vulnerable as I possibly could, which meant digging in deep to um, trauma that had happened in my life that I had never spoken about before. But I knew that this was, this was the time, this was the place that I needed to do that. Um, in order for people to relate and understand, I had to get raw. And being raw is very difficult, let me tell you. <laughs> but I, I thrive on, um, on honesty. I think that's a big thing that, you know, this is an ugly illness and people needed to know the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with it. And being as raw and as truthful as possible, I think, is what has made this um, as big as it is. You know, I mean, here we are over a year later and still sitting on the top 10 bestseller list. So it's pretty, it's pretty incredible to see it all happen. You know, that is pretty incredible, Amanda. And you also 
pointed out some very valuable things right here, how you said, especially from your rheumatologist, that you needed to find an outlet. Even though you were helping so many people, you had to have your own outlet and your own release. And that's exactly why you started writing the book, because it just was that a form of you just releasing yourself. And in return, you know, you got your honesty, you know, and you got the right people to publish your book and how the doors have been open for you only because you didn't feel sorry for yourself. There's so much value here, Amanda, and I really, really appreciate that. And I know that the listeners do too. And and if they remember anything, you know, in this um, podcast today, that they would understand that they need to find an outlet. And so now I would love for you to tell us uh, and the listeners what they need to know to understand autoimmune diseases. Absolutely. So autoimmune diseases, um, there are so many different kinds. And as of current, about 500 million Americans suffer. Um, But of that, only about 17% actually know that they have a diagnosis. Um, So it's it's a pretty prominent epidemic currently in our country. Um, With autoimmune disorders, imagine being sick, okay? You're getting the flu or a cold or something like that. Our good cells attack the bad cells, right, to kill off the illness. With an autoimmune disorder, our body is essentially attacking itself. Our good cells attack other good cells because our bodies, um, our body mistakenly thinks that we're in a constant state of illness. So it brings down our immune systems. Um, it causes chronic, chronic issues across the board, whether it's inflammation or joint pain or, um, you know, food intolerances, fatigue. Um, it's, there's such a wide, wide, wide range of um, autoimmune disorders that typically we call it the power of three because you more than likely don't just have one but three or four at the same time. Um, Currently, I suffer from what we know of. (laughs) I suffer from lupus, um, rheumatoid arthritis, and Sjogren's. Um, Sjogren's is one that's a newer autoimmune disorder. It attacks um, basically the eyes, the nose, and the mouth. It um, it's a lack of ability to um, produce saliva and or the wetness in your eyes. You know, so you get like chronic dry eyes. You get it can affect your gums and your teeth. Can affect you know the nasal cavity. All of that plays a part as far as Sjogren. Um, with the lupus, you know, I have SLE, which is systemic lupus, and it affects the organs, the kidneys, liver, um, brain, and heart primarily. So. I stay on top of my regiment as far as, you know, I see my cardiologist every six months to get EKGs done um, and do stress tests. I do, I've had EEGs where it's brain scans to see, you know, make sure that my brain activity is doing okay. I've had, you know, chronic headaches. I've had chronic fatigue. I've had, um, I mean, really, you name it, inflammation, joint, you know, joint and chronic body pain, you know, body aches just all over, muscular tension, muscular strength, I'm sorry, um, non-strength. Basically, I lose all feeling. You know, my the toes, my toes and my fingers lose feeling, and they get all tingly. Sometimes my circulation is bad. Sometimes my blood pressure is bad. It's just, you know, it is one of those things. But everybody's different, and you have to find the regimen that works for you. I went and had a test done. If there's listeners out there that have an autoimmune disorder, look up the test ALCAT. It's A L C A T. It is a food intolerance testing. Um, it's a little pricey if your insurance doesn't cover it, but I tell you what, that one was probably the most informative test that I've ever had done. 
Um, I was, you know, what I thought was eating pretty well, but come to find out I had a major, major intolerance to asparagus, eggplant, and um, romaine lettuce. And those were things that I, I was eating multiple times a day. It was only increasing the inflammation in my body and increasing my symptoms. So even though you may be, quote, unquote, eating healthy foods, it may be something that your body specifically is intolerant to. So you need to be um, listening to your body and knowing, keeping a food journal. When, you know, if you're having a reaction to something, what was it that you ate for the meal prior to that? You know, what did you have the day before? Keeping a folder of anything and everything that you can document to present to your doctors is going to help you in the long run. Because then you can walk into each individual doctor and say, okay, this is what Dr. A has found. This is what Dr. B has found. This is what I'm finding in my home life. Um, you, it's ultimately up to you to stay on top of, you know, um, to get somebody to listen. All you need is that one person to listen that's going to believe in you. And when you have it all on paper for them to look at, you know, it can take a huge chunk of the puzzle out of play. Amanda, I wish you could see me right now because I'm nodding my head. Yes, yes. You know, I am like, you understand. And I know some of the listeners out there are going, someone finally understands. Because like you said previously, it's a silent disease. You know, it's silent. And Mm -hmm. you keep it to yourself because no one believes you. And right now, you know, even with the point that you said, you know, make a food journal. Write down the things that you eat. And the test that you mentioned, the ALCAT, is that correct? ALCAT? test alcat okay Mm -hmm. so that's i didn't even know about that so thank you so much for sharing that because people are living in pain and they don't know why so i challenge you listeners to take a food journal write down what you eat you know maybe something that you're eating even if you're healthy is causing your pain all right so amanda One of your taglines is experiencing a life of entertainment through a purple lens. And as you know, purple is a pretty big deal around here. And I would love for you to tell our listeners what this tagline represents. Explain what a purple lens means to you. Well, purple is the awareness color for lupus. For me, you know, I always kind of felt like I was in this fog for lack of a better term, okay? Almost like if you look at my life, it's like a Lifetime movie played out, right? (laughs) And it's almost hard to think of like, oh my gosh, this is is really my life, you know? And for the longest time, I always felt like here I am living what my producers that I've worked with for years and years and years in entertainment are looking for, essentially. You know, like this this is something that we would cast for for a movie, and meanwhile, I'm suffering privately, afraid to tell because of my stature, because of my position at entertainment, because of me losing so many friends and, you know, things like that. I, I was very concerned about losing my livelihood, you know, and so I kept it to myself. And the whole time I just kept thinking, I wanted to scream it from the rooftops. I wanted to be like, this is something that I want to produce. You know, this is, I'm producing the story of my own life as basically without any kind of control whatsoever. You know, I I have no control over how my life has been affected with this illness. But the part that I do have control over is how I overturn it, you know, how I rise above it. And so life through a purple lens, basically for me, is I feel like I've been the outsider kind of watching this all play. And then all of a sudden, one switch kind of clicked. And I was like, I don't have to be the outsider watching this play anymore. I'm the person. I'm the director of my own life. 
I took that and I flipped the script for a lack of better term. Um, yes, I have lupus. Yes, I have other autoimmune illnesses. Yes, I have vulnerabilities, but I'm going to make it what I can. You know, I'm going to turn it around and, and make, live my life to the fullest, essentially, each and every day with no regrets. Absolutely, Amanda. I, I love how you just said flip the switch. And, and I even tell some of my people if, if, if I'm in front of them, you know, is actually take your hand and flip it. You know, that's so mm-hmm. important, you know, even visually for people. And I love how you chose to rise above and be the producer of your own life. And I want the listeners out there that they are their own producers. They need to know that to not let anybody control them. If they're living in that silent pain, you know, that they can, you know, reach out for that support system that you highly suggest people to have. All right, Amanda, we are turning gears and we're going towards a different part of the show. It's called our lightning (laughs) round. And these questions are very easy questions and you don't need to really think about them. Just the first thing that comes to your mind and, you know, short, sweet and to the point. But this is just to get to know you on a different level. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, Amanda, if you, I love this question, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, my goodness, definitely the power of healing. I hate to see anybody suffer, and considering I've always, you know, obviously have been suffering through through different uh, illnesses, it's very tough from a mom's standpoint, seeing my children suffer to seeing a friend or a fellow survivor suffer. I would absolutely, absolutely love to have the power of healing to take that pain away. Amanda, I'm saying, ah, and I'm sure some of the listeners <laughs> out there are going, ah, now we all want to have that superpowers. That's so great. So now I want to know, how do you like your coffee? Oh, gosh. You know what? I love coffee. I don't get to drink it often because it does increase inflammation in the body. But when I do drink it, mm-hmm. there is a gluten-free French vanilla creamer out there that's also dairy-free um, that Trader Joe's makes. And oh, I pour a little bit of that, and it's like heaven. <laughs> okay, listeners, it's did amazing. you catch that? I'm sure many of them haven't heard of that before, so that's interesting news right there. Could you say that type again one more time? Sure. It's by Trader Joe's. And it's a gluten-free, dairy-free French vanilla creamer. It's in a blue bottle. Perfect. And they also have hazelnut, too. Oh, there you go. Check it out. All right. Now, Amanda, I need to know about your most embarrassing moment. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have lupus. So every day <laughs> every day, I have an embarrassing moment. I have lupus brain. Um, it's kind of funny because that's become our joke around here in the house is, uh, for example, my husband and I were watching the movie 300, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're all about the Spartan warriors. And at the end, there's a scene where there's, like, I don't know, probably 100,000 of them. <laughs> and I looked at my husband, and I go, well, that sure looks like a whole lot more than 300. And he looked at me, he's like, are you being serious right now? I was like, yeah, I was. I was dead serious. But my lupus fog, it's, and so he just, he looks at me, he's like, hashtag lupus brain. <laughs> so... <laughs> Every day around here is is an embarrassing moment, but you know I embrace it. It is who I am. I always tell everybody I'm a medically induced dick. <laughs> okay, I, I really love that lupus brain, and you're making light of this too, even though it's not making light of the whole, you know, actually having it, but that you can um, really have fun with this, and that is part of your embarrassing moment. That's so fun. Are you <laughs> okay? So, are you a shoes or a bag lady? I'm female. I'm both. <laughs> you know that's a popular I mean, answer. Is it really? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's both. Although, you know, I guess because the majority of the time I'm in workout clothes, I I would actually have to say neither. I think I'm more of a fitness pants girl. I have, oh gosh, there's this brand called Cast Fitness. 
um, they feel like skin and you're walking around feeling like you're naked all day. It's awesome. And they're fun and bright and just funky kind of colored. So I would say I have, I have a fitness pants addiction. I think I have probably 25 pairs maybe of them now. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. I don't know anybody else who has 25 pairs. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Having yeah, those. they're Oh, don't try them, girl. I'm telling you, you'll be okay. addicted too. You I'm won't be to. shoes or bag weight anymore. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go try them. All right, so I, yes. I want to know what genre of movie that you like. Comedy, action, thriller, you know, intense. What kind of movie do you like? Oh, I'm super eclectic when it comes to movies. I think the one that I don't particularly care um, about would be westerns. And then depending on, I don't like evil movies. You know what I mean? Like, I can deal with some scary stuff or maybe, you know, it's something in the woods or something like that, but I don't like the evil stuff. That stuff freaks me out. Right. I don't know. I, I don't like inviting that into my space. I'm right there with um, you. But embarrass, embarrassingly, I'd have, I would have to let you know that um, at 32 years old, this is incredibly embarrassing, but Pitch Perfect is probably one of my top movies. You know... <laughs> it's just a you know, it's such a feel-good movie to sing and dance along with it. And I don't know. It's almost like you're living vicariously through them. It is. I actually, um, a lot of people tell me that. So I don't think it's bad at all. So, um, oh, good. Yeah. It, they love that movie, and I do too. All right. I have a final question for you. How does sure. your toilet paper roll? Is it top or is it bottom? Oh, girl, definitely top. <laughs> when I had a friend over, oh, probably like 10 years ago, and she was like, your toilet paper's on the bottom. And I go, what? She's like, your toilet paper's on the bottom. I go, okay, what's wrong with that? She's like, no, 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 no. You, you always wanted to have it on the top. And I go, it's toilet paper. Who cares? You're going to pull it off and wipe and throw it away anyway. What's the big deal? And she goes, you're never going to be able to think about toilet paper the same again. I promise you. And here it is 10 years later. And I, it's like a pet peeve of mine. Anytime it's on the bottom, I have to fix it. It's, I think I'm borderline OCD when it comes to the toilet paper roll. You know, a lot of people are, and that's actually the popular answer. So I'm not surprised, actually, that you say top because it's changed my life, too. My husband was the same way. He's like, it needs to be on the top. So there you <laughs> yeah, go. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Amanda. You truly have brought value to life in purple. And I want to thank you for sharing your story on a deeper level with us. I know that many of our listeners are saying, yes, I'm in pain. And finally, someone understands. And now, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and to get your book? Absolutely. Um, we are on Amazon right now. You can just type in the Amazon search bar, Light Camera Lupus, or they can go to lightcameralupus.com and read a little bit more about me, find out. Um, I'm always doing signings and appearances and things like that. If there's a group out there that needs somebody just to come and talk with them, I would be happy to. I can call in. I can do, um, do a question and answer hour on social media. I just love connecting with other people. It's kind of the driving force for me to stay active. Um, so feel free to reach out to me. My email address is on there. And I do personally answer each and every email. So it's not going to be some, you know, some generic machine responding back. It'll actually be me. Wow, I think the listeners are really going to appreciate that and they're going to fall in love with you even more when they read your book and uh, learn more about you. Thank you once again, Amanda, for spending time with us on Life in Purple, where the broken can heal and the successful can conquer. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your story, Amanda, and sharing your valuable experiences with us. 
Lip Talk Nation, if you have enjoyed today's episode or one of our previous episodes, I would love to hear from you. And if you're an iPhone user, go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And for Android users, send me a quick email to lara at larasprag.com. We appreciate you and we will see you soon. And as always, what you say is what you become.